Um, I like to start every message that I speak with uh, kind of a statement like this to help kind of ease the tension, break the ice a little bit. But it goes a little something like this. I'm not up here because I'm perfect, nor am I up here because I'm the wisest man on the earth or because I have all the answers. I am only up here because I decided to follow the call that God has in my life. And I believe each and every single one of you has a call from God on your life, a divine design that God has put inside of you that he's just waiting for you to follow. Does that make sense? So uh, we're going to be planning a church later this year, and we're already moving. We're already trying to get involved in the community because we believe that the church is not so much a location as much as, as it is a people. And so we're, we're moving forward. We're, we're doing things for the community. But um, the best way that I could explain this, because I know there might be some questions, is the Av Church is under the leadership of New Beginnings, um, the organiza- organizational, oh my goodness, organizational structure is uh, through New Beginnings. And the best way that I could explain this is think of Disney. Disney owns Hulu. They own Star Wars. They own ESPN. They probably own this church somehow. I don't know. They own just about everything else. I'm just playing about that last part. But think about it like that. Disney uh, and, and Marvel and Star Wars, all those things are, the message is to bring entertainment to people. Their message is the same. The way they get there is a little bit different. Does that make sense? So that's what we're about. So before we get into the logistics of things and and what it's going to look like moving forward, I want us to open up our Bibles to Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Luke 13, 10 through 17. And I'll be reading out of the NASB for those who use the Bible app. You could switch it over to that and it's lined up word for word exactly as we're going to be reading. If you're there, say I'm there. Whoa, okay. Um, Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get into it. It says this, And he was teaching, he being Jesus, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days and work should be done, so come during them and get healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all of his opponents were being humiliated, and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things being done by him. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this time that we have. I pray that you move through any words that I speak, and I pray that you just move in the hearts of the people here, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I was younger, there came this time a night, like a little guy, like three or four, and parents, you guys probably can relate to this, but there came this time, it's 9.30, 10, whatever it may be, where I would hop out of my room, looking sleepy, I just walking out, like, oh. I was super dramatic when I was younger, so it's like, oh. 
and my mom or my dad, whoever it was, I'd walk out and be like, I'm hungry. Please, I'm hungry. Make me something. I'm starving. I'm not going to make it to tomorrow if I don't get something to eat. It's just not going to happen. And as a parent, that's probably, just be honest, it's probably the most annoying thing <laughs> you could hear. Because at this point in time, it's like, we already prepped dinner. We plated it. We ate it. I didn't hardly touch any of it. The rest of it was left on the floor. Um, did that whole process, and then we cleaned it. We cleaned the kitchen. We put all the dishes away, or everything's in the dishwasher, and then it's like, okay, go to bed. <laughs> it's time to kick back. It's time to relax. But then here comes little old Dylan. I was a tiny little guy with a big old head, and I would come out just starving, right, because it's just the end of the world. And some of you parents maybe even think, like, maybe I'll give them a granola bar. But even then, like, no, just go to bed. <laughs> And so I, I, I would do that, and it was um, my mom in this specific story. She was out there. She was watching The Tonight Show or, or reading a book, whatever it was. And like I said, all dramatic, my feet just dragging. It's like, I'm so weak. Mom, I'm so weak. Please feed me. <laughs> I'm dying here. And my mom had this famous line. She'd ignore me for a little bit, you know, just try to do the, he's not there, he's not there. He's not there. He's not there. She would try to ignore that for a little bit until eventually I just was just, Mom, come on, please, please, please. And, and then there's this famous line that she had. It was the greatest thing ever. You guys can use it after this, too. I'm going to use it on my kids. But she had this great line, and finally she's like, Dylan, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give you anything. I was please, come on, come on. And here it comes. She said, no, Dylan, the kitchen is closed. <laughs> You can call our offices. You could email, fax us, but we ain't coming back for the night. There's no way that's happening. We locked up shop. The kitchen's closed, buddy. There's no workers here, so goodbye. <laughs> and more specifically, because my brother and I would do this same thing. And from what I hear, this is my parents telling me, so it's okay that I get to make fun of them a little bit. Um, he had this abnormally high-pitched voice that... So I guess it's a type like when he's talking, your ears are ringing type of stuff. And I, I don't know what that means. All kids have high-pitched voices, but apparently his rose above the rest. <laughs> and so there's this time that he came out too, and he was just like, oh, I'm hungry. Because he was dramatic too. Or the Del Campos are a little bit dramatic, honestly. I don't know if you guys could tell or not. Um, but he came out, and he's starving, and he's hungry. And he's just like, oh, Mom, I'm starving, dude. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Tell dad I love him. <laughs> but he was saying that, and then my mom said the famous, the famous line, Nathan, it's my brother's name, the kitchen is closed, buddy. And in his high-pitched voice, I'm going to try to reenact it as best as I can. I won't make your ears bleed, I promise. But he, she said that to him, and he goes, fine, I'm going to go to my room and dream about lunch. And ran off to his room crying. He was going to go dream about lunch. He was going to get what he wanted one way or another. <laughs> and I say, I say all that to say this. I think a lot of times, first of all, let me say this actually. My mom's the greatest ever. I don't want to get in trouble with mama. <laughs> I don't want to get her on her bad side. Um, 
But she's the greatest ever. But I think a lot of times when it comes to faith or when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, I think a lot of us could say, you know what? The kitchen's closed today. I already put in my time. I worked nine hours. I worked 10 hours, 12 hours. Uh, I took my kids here. I went to the gym. It's just busy. And when opportunities to serve God or to serve his people are presented to us, we more than often say, you know what? The kitchen is closed. And I think what's so beautiful about this Bible, this Bible story that I read is Jesus is, is in the synagogue teaching on the Sabbath day. And the synagogue official was super hypocritical about it, and so were many people back then. Like, the Sabbath is holy, and I agree, you should rest, but what they're doing with it, that, it was so hypocritical. But Jesus, the Jewish, the Jewish man, who's supposed to be resting on the Sabbath, right? That was the custom back then. He decided he was going to go into the synagogue and he was going to preach the gospel and he was going to heal people because something that Jesus understood that I think some of us don't understand is that people are hurting, people are broken, people are looking for hope at all times of the day, every day of the week, not just on a Sunday morning. And I think church for a long time has kind of just become a Sunday morning. And the original intent that God has for the church was a collective group of people who were serving his name. You see, what Jesus didn't do was when the woman came to him and she was bent over, she couldn't walk, so her body just disconformed and just crazy. She couldn't get up. She couldn't do anything. He didn't say, oh, you know what? I'm not, I, I can't today. It's the Sabbath. But a matter of fact, like, I have a church that I attend. Uh, come on Sunday, and uh, you'll hear a message, and there's worship, and it'll be good stuff. It'll be great. And we'll pray for you. We'll do all that stuff. We'll get it going. As a matter of fact, you know what? There's some pastors there. I'll just introduce you to them. They'll take care of you. They'll pray for you. They'll pray for healing. They'll pray for all those good things. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus understood that he could meet that need right then and there, so he decided he was going to heal her. And I think something that's super cool in this verse is that it said she was bent over double, so on the Sabbath day, Jesus had to heal double. He had to work a little bit harder because he understood the hurt and the brokenness of this woman who was in the synagogue. And I think a lot of us need to understand that that same power and the same God that lives in the pastors that you so much respect and you think are great is the same God that lives in each and every single one of you. And if he doesn't, he can if you just ask him to. See, church is me, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's everybody in this room. And the power of God can live through us and we can meet the needs of the community and we can heal people. And I want us to become a church not only here or the Av or our other church plants. Uh, I don't want us to be a people who just come to church on Sunday, but I want us to be a collective group who's making a difference outside of that. Amen. <sighs> See, I think the church can no longer function as an audience who listens to one, meaning the pastor. The church must function as a gathering of like-minded individuals who want to restore hope 
to the broken and misunderstood through Jesus Christ. And until faith becomes a daily practice rather than a weekly pick-me-up, the church will continue to fade. And let me say this, God's church will never fail. He reigns above everything. He will never fail. But I think what we've packaged God into, what we've packaged church into, is not what he originally wanted for us. And when I say the word fade, that's, that's a big statement. That's a bold statement. But according to Barna Research Group Center, which is a Christian-based statistics company, they found that three in 10 millennials in America find church to be important to their life. In other words, three in 10 millennials find God to be important to their lives. And that number kills me. A millennial is anybody currently right now age 22 to 37, according to these statistics. And that number kills me because that's young families, that's young marriages, those are the people who are in charge today and they'll be in charge tomorrow. That's right now. And that number kills me. Those are my people. I'm a millennial. And something that I often hear from churches, which is an inherently a good statement, is that they want to reach the next generation, right? You guys have heard that, I'm sure. We want to reach the next generation. We want to reach the next generation. But how can we reach the next generation if this one wants nothing to do with God's church? And at this point, I'm not talking about what I think about it or my opinion on it. At this point, I'm just talking about facts. And something crazier to me is that Gen Z, which is the generation after millennials, two in 10 find church to be important to their life. What's gonna happen after that? One in 10, 0.5. And like I said, the church, God's church is never going to fail, but obviously, there's something going on. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect going on. And I believe it begins with the mentalities of everybody in this room that what we're doing here is just a gathering. This is a minute part of what faith is. This is a minute part of what it means to follow Jesus. And something, because I'll be honest, when God's turning this stuff in my heart, when he's talking to me about this stuff, these things and ways that, he, that I believe God wants us to go, it just seems overwhelming. It seems like, what am I going to do? And I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes I'm just I'm like, man, God, are you sure about this? How many of us have been there? Huh? But I believe God truly wants us to get there. And instead of being overwhelmed, I'm going to break this down in ways that I believe we could begin to meet the needs of the community the community around us right here in our backyard. Only three in 10 millennials find church to be important, so I think we got three basic principles that we could get back to that I think will begin to shift us back to where God wants us to be. The first being monthly outreach. 
in 2020, the Av Church, and we're moving this direction just as a, as a church body as a whole, but we plan to partner with local organizations who already have a heartbeat in the community. They have relationships built within the community. We want to partner alongside them to help meet the needs that are right here, right around us. Because there's so much hurt and pain and brokenness and women who are just can't stand up all around us right here in our backyard. And we want to partner with these, these organizations to help make a difference in the community. And whether it be feeding the homeless or providing coffee at a coffee shop for an hour or two or showing up at the bars at last call and saying, hey, here's a free Uber ride home on Av Church. We love you and we care about you. And just know that there's a God who loves you. We want to be involved in the community. And some of us might be thinking like, well, you're going to give them a free ride home? Like, what are you talking about? Let me ask you this question. Who did Jesus hang out with? Who did Jesus come to meet? Who were Jesus' disciples? The people who, that was his close-knit group. They were just a bunch of misfits. He couldn't even like, they were doing some dumb stuff all the time. See, we're going to hop into this verse right now. Uh, it's Matthew eleven four through 5. And before I get into it, um, this is John the Baptist. And this is the same John the Baptist baptized Jesus. He saw the heavens open up, the dove come down, and he heard God say to Jesus, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. This is the same John the Baptist that witnessed that. And I, I don't know about y'all. But if I saw that, I'd be pretty sold, like, all right, he's the real deal. This is what it's about. But currently, where we're coming into the Bible right here, John the Baptist is in prison. He's in bondage. He's in pain. He's hurting. It's not comfortable. And now he begins to question. Even though he saw all that happen, the heavens split open, he begins to question, are you the real deal or not, Jesus? So what he does is he gets his crew and he sends them to find Jesus and to send, send them to Jesus and ask, dude, are you, are you the real deal or not? Am I following you for a reason or not? How many of us have been there? And so that's where we're coming into this story. It's Matthew eleven four through 5, and it says this. After they asked him what John the Baptist wanted, Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight and the lame walk. The leopards are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Because see, I don't want us to be a location first church. And what I mean by that is that when we tell people about New Beginnings or the Av Church or people talk about us, I don't want us to be known as the place that's across the street from Washington Elementary. Or are you the guys that are by that, that jack-in-the-box? Or you're on Western Avenue, right? That's what you guys are. See, I don't want us to be known by a location. I want people to know us by what they see and by what they hear. I want people to know this church and future churches to come by how we provide free oil changes for single mothers, by how we feed the homeless, by how we provide some stability for the foster care system in such a crazy world. That's what I want us to be known by. I want us to be ingrained, ingrained within the community. And I think what's so beautiful about Jesus' answer uh, to John the Baptist, because some of us might be thinking, 
How, you should never question God. Like what? People need to just respect God and that's what needs to happen. That's all it is. But when Jesus gets asked that question, he didn't say, what did John say? How dare he question me? He knows what I've done. How dare he question me? I can't believe, tell him to never do that again. But he didn't. He said, go tell John what you see and what you hear. The dead are raised to life, the lame walk, and people are having the gospel preached to them. And I think that's something that's important. That's where we're going to be heading in the Av Church because we want to meet the needs of the community, but we understand that community happens outside of a Sunday morning. The second thing I got is life groups. And Pastor Jim talked about uh, life groups last week, and life groups is just a more personable and real way to grow together. Life groups has to be a key to our daily walk, and it's going to be a key to who we are as we have church and new beginnings, because we believe that life was never meant to be done alone, and one cannot truly be invested in one another's life through a one-hour service on a Sunday morning. See, as a church, we want to grow larger while growing smaller at the same time. Because Sunday, when we all gather together, yes, it's going to be bigger. going to have a big group of people. But during the week, we want to grow smaller in a more personable setting where we could uplift one another, where we could uh, lean on one another, talk about the good times, talk about the bad times, pray for one another. Because I don't know about y'all, but when I got like a team behind me, people who support me, people who uplift me, people who are on the same mindset that I am in following God, when I'm struggling or when I'm failing, it's so much easier to get through life. When you have like-minded individuals who are with you, fighting alongside you, and Jesus is the most perfect example of this, he didn't need anybody to do what he needed to do. But Jesus understood how important it was to have a community around him, the community being the disciples. Hung out with them all the time. And see, I think there's two mindsets when going about life groups or when people hear about life groups. I think there's the outgoing, bubbly, like, oh, yeah, we're going to just talk to people? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all up for it. I'll do that every day. You don't got to pay me. And then I think there's, those, there's that mindset. And I think there's a, ah, I don't really want to talk to anybody. I don't want to hear what people got to say. I don't need to hear what they, what they have to say. I'm good. I'm good. It's all about I, me. But one question that I want you guys to ask yourselves is don't you wish you could talk to your, yourself five years ago or 10 years ago, one year ago, six months ago, yesterday? <laughs> See, and what we don't realize when it comes to life groups is that our story, our God story, what God is doing through us, somebody may need to hear that. Maybe they're dying and they need to hear what you got to say because you're going through, you already went through exactly what they went through and they need to hear it, man. Right. Amen. It's not always about me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. What we need to understand is the story, the, the passions, the purpose that God has given us in our life. Somebody needs to hear that. And that's what life groups do. 
Life groups give you an opportunity to share your wisdom, to share the wisdom that God has given you, to share your life experiences. Don't you wish you could have talked to yourself five years ago? We're going to jump into the Bible in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And it says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. In other words, don't give up on meeting together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I think my favorite part, it's in, it's in verse 24, it says, stir up. Because what this is implying, that meeting together and love and good works, doesn't just happen. You have to stimulate it. You have to activate it. You have to move in it. Community doesn't just happen. You have to go after it, and you have to help build it. The perfect way being life groups. You want to get better at being patient with people, loving people, being in community with people? Get in a life group. Those dudes make me mad all the time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I, I think that, that word stir up is so important because, like I said, it implies that we need to be active about it. Life groups are a vital piece to what it means a Christ, to be a Christ follower. People need to hear your story. You need to hear other people's stories. You need to lift up one another. Have a team behind you. The third thing I got is uh, gatherings. And I say the word gatherings because I don't know if you couldn't tell, but I just really believe that the church needs to come together outside of a Sunday morning if we really want to reach people for God. Because I think some of us act, and myself included, I do this, I act as if God's grace just extends to these walls right here. And I forget how many people outside of here need to hear the word of God, need to hear the love of God, need to hear the grace of God. And so I, I say gatherings because the, the Av Church is, it's not going to have like a specific Sunday morning gather, uh, service to start because we're just building steam, we're building the team, we're building culture, we're building all those things on Jesus. But we're going to have all sorts of different gatherings, whether it be a community event like I've talked about or a worship night or anything like that. Because I believe church can happen anywhere. Because like I said, church is in a location. It's you, it's me. It's you, 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 you. Church can be us going to the park, feeding all the homeless and having a message. Church looks all sorts of different ways because church is people. Take a look around. Does anybody look the same as you? <laughs> it looks all sorts of different ways. And so that's what I mean when I say gatherings. We're going to meet in all sorts of different ways and try to be consistent through the chaos, through all of that. And one thing about the millennial generation and the Generation Z is, man, they're on the digital platforms, 100%. And some of us might be thinking, like, because I've thought this way too, I'm not going to lie, that you go on social media one time, or like Facebook or Instagram, and now there's TikTok and all that stuff, and you're like, man, it's a tool of the devil. <laughs> it's wild out there. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but see, what I think is so important about that is why would we shy away from that? 
Why would we not use that as a platform to spread the good news that is Jesus Christ? That, that's a ministry in itself. See, some of us can shy away from the dark places, right? But those are the places that I believe Jesus would walk right into. So we're going to hold digital gatherings, and what it is is just kind of like a preview of what church is. It's just a little uh, two-minute song and then an eight, five- to eight-minute devotion, and it's like, hey, thanks for checking us out. We just want to give them opportunities to experience who Jesus is. So I don't know if you could tell, but my, my generation, I'm sorry for this, but our, our attention span's not as great. <laughs> So sometimes we just need a, a little bit, a little bit of shorter things, and I think something like that just opens up to do, the door to something bigger. Church for too long has been associated with the Sunday morning service and not a collective group of people making a difference. And I want to hop back into Hebrews ten twenty five. And it says this not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know about you guys, because I get this way. Sometimes I go to church just because I feel like I need it. It's like, ah, I was kind of, I sinned this week. Everybody does it, right? It's like, I feel kind of worse this week. They're like, I'm going to go to church. And then afterwards, it's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm walking on clouds, it's great. And then Monday comes and somebody's like, hey, what was the message about yesterday? And I'm like, um, I don't know, dude, but you want to go get breakfast or something? See, uh, that should not be our motivation to go to church because we feel like we need it. Our motivation to go to church should be to obey God and to give to others. See, there's five things, and whether you're taking notes on paper or you take it on your phone, this isn't in the program, so I want you guys to really get this. I want you guys to write this down so we really understand that when we gather, there's five things that I think are super important. The first being, we gather to receive something from God. The second, we gather to give something to God, to give thanks, to give praise, to give glory, to give worship. Thirdly, we gather to encourage one another by our shared faith and experiences. Fourth, we gather to bless one another. And fifth, we gather to work together. See, I think some of us stop at that number one. We stop at we gather to receive something from God. And we stop asking the questions, how can we give back to God? How can we serve God? How can we love his people? But instead we show up because we need that pick-me-up. We need to make sure that we're just going to church because that's what our family's done our whole life. So that's just what I'm going to do. Like you're supposed to do that. And I think we fail to remember that we gather to give something to God, to encourage one another by our shared faith and experiences, to bless one another, and to work together. 
like I said, when God started putting this on my heart, it's overwhelming. It's tough. Um, Because it's almost like you want to help everybody, but how do you do that? You want to change the world, but how do you do that? And when I started breaking it down in practical terms, in in a practical mindset, God started breaking it down as this monthly outreach thing, it's four to six weeks, 10 to 12 days out of your year. And when I started breaking it down like that, that made sense to me. I was like, that's doable. People can do that. We can come together and do that. And in a realistic term for life groups, it's probably going to be something like this, like, hey, I work late tonight and I got to take my kids to soccer practice. I can't make it tonight, but you better believe I'm going to be there next week and I'm going to be there the week after. Because see, God's not calling us to perfection. God's not, uh, I'm not giving you guys this because it's like we all need to do this and be perfect at it. Otherwise, the church is going to die. I'm not saying any of that. I just am saying that we need to step up in our faith and we need to step up in our relationship with God. Because I've been in the mindset too where church is just a Sunday morning. And when I get in that mindset, it's only, only because I forget about the love and grace and mercy and I forgot what it was like to be at the bottom and have God bring me up and say, come here, I got you, I love you, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to take care of you, I know you're hurting, I know you're broken, I know you need so much and I got everything for you, just come to me. And I seem to forget that and I turn him into a Sunday morning process. And I want us to get back to the root of what church is. Collective group of people making a difference in the name of Jesus. And I think those are three tangible ways. Three easy ways that we can step forward and step up in our faith and begin to impact the community. Because like I said, there's a disconnect. But the thing is, my generation and the generation after me, we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And tell me the last time you saw something good happen and you're like, oh man, I don't want to do anything like that. If we're reaching the community, if we're loving people like God has called us to be, people are going to be attracted to that because it's what they see and it's what they hear. And see, some of us tonight, uh, tonight, excuse me, Sunday morning, I usually speak on Sunday nights. Um, (laughs) Some of us today, might be already thinking like, mm, of all the reasons why we can't step up or all the reasons why we're probably just going to head after, head out out of here and go to lunch and probably forget what was said, what was talked about. And I, wanna, I want us to ask this question to ourselves. Is are we following our own patterns or are we following God? That's the big question. That's the one that you need to sit on for a little bit and really ask yourself, am I following God or am I following patterns that I've put into place? We're going to hop back into when Jesus was preaching in the synagogue, and it's Luke 13, 14. Luke 13, 14, and it says this, but the synagogue official, indignant, I don't know why, but that word, it's like, that dude must have been really angry. <laughs> he was eating. <laughs> like, when I see that, it's like, dang, bro, is it really, are you really that mad? That's crazy. 
<laughs> but the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which work should be done, so come during them and get healed, not on the Sabbath day. And I think what's interesting is that when Jesus is healing, when Jesus understands that there's broken people all the time, not just on Sundays, not just on the normal work hours of most Christians, which is Sunday morning, um, that dude got mad. He was heated with what he said, with what Jesus was doing, but he didn't even have like, it in him to confront Jesus himself. Instead, he turned to the crowd. Instead, he turned to them and said, hey, none of this, can't be doing any of this. He couldn't even look at Jesus and say, hey, bro, what you're doing is not okay. And so when I want to break that down because some of us who might be thinking of the excuses already, why we can't step up, why we can't do this, what we don't realize is that we're turning into the synagogue official. And we'll look and we'll tell people like, oh, you know how busy I am. Like, it's just crazy. You know what's going on? I can't serve. I can't join a life group. I can't do any of that. We do that to look for validation and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? You are busy. I see that. Yeah. And so in us, in our hearts, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm validified right here. But something that we'll never do, most likely, is tell Jesus, hey, man, hey, God, I don't have time to serve you. I don't want to give my time to you. But I want you to bless me still. I want you to take care of me, but I don't want to, I, I don't have time to serve you. I'll show up to church on Sunday for sure. I might miss here and there, but yeah, I can't serve her. Be a part of a community. I know you call, us, call me to do that, but I can't do that. The conversation often does not look like that. And so today I'm imploring you to please, let's step up. Let's be a community, a collective group of people that begins to reach people for Jesus. We don't want to be the synagogue official. Everybody's life's different, so ask yourself how you can help. What is the need that you can fill? Ask yourself that question, because honestly, in just simple terms, this whole message broken down in one sentence is just, I want to change the world for Jesus. In one simple sentence, that's what this whole message is about. And I think inherently as Christ followers, we really want that, but maybe we don't understand how much uh, God wants to use us, how much God wants to work through us, and maybe we don't understand what we need to do, but here we're giving you an opportunity Like I said, we're better in teams. We're better in teams. And this wasn't in my notes or anything, but I feel like I should say this, is right now I think we're in a time of explanation when it comes to God. We'll talk about Him. We'll explain Him. We'll share what He's doing. And all that is great stuff. But we didn't move from explanation. We need to add demonstration to that. We have to be a people group who demonstrates the love that God has for them. There's so many opportunities all around us in our day jobs and everything we got going on to build a relationship with somebody and share the gospel with them. So I want to close with this. It's the ask, because I have to do is we need 75 individuals. We need 75 committed individuals 
to help plant this church, to help be a part of the team. And maybe God's been knocking on your heart or tugging on your heart and you feel like you're called to step out into something, to do something more for the kingdom of God right here. We got the perfect opportunity for you. So just pray about it. Think about it. And if you're ready to go, then boom, outside, sign up. We got you. We're starting growth track on, the fe- on February 2nd, just like this uh, New Beginnings campus is doing here. We'll get you in life groups. We need people who want to make a difference. Because something that's crazy to me is every Sunday morning here, we have about 800 to 1,000 people who attend. Can you imagine what 800 to 1,000 committed individuals could do for the community around us? Man. We could change this whole state. More has been done with less, Jesus and the disciples. So like I said, 75 committed individuals. We want to partner with you. We want to work together. We want to make a difference in our communities. We want to impact people's lives for Jesus. Let's make a change. Let's make a difference. Let's become the church not go to church. Let's become the church. Thank you guys so much. I'm going to call up Pastor James.